Cordy Company, we're the design-build people. 90% of our work is design-build, the delivery method that keeps everyone under the same roof. Single-source responsibility means you work with a skilled team that brings innovative solutions and added value to every phase of the job. To learn more, go to Cordico.com. That's K-O-R-T-E-C-O dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Build America, the national podcast that is capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of construction and development. And I'm your host, Carrie Smith, owner of Construction News and Review Magazine. Well, it's the first time I said that out loud. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Chris Martin. In this episode, we're going to be talking to someone who really walks through storytelling in its finest hour and specifically how to work with construction, architecture, and engineering firms, and more about how to tell their stories in compelling ways about their projects, their people, and their issues. Our guest today, as I mentioned, is none other than my fellow podcaster, marketing guru, and good friend, Chris Martin. Chris, welcome today to Build America. We're glad you're here. Well, thank you, Carrie. It's great to be here, and congratulations again on the publication, and great to be here. Can't wait. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's almost 55 years old. I've owned it for a week and we're still good. So <laughs> last time I check when we get off, but check, we're good. Keep going. Check that mark. Exactly. Now, Chris, I know that you've been That's president good. of Atlas Marketing for more than 16 years. And I noticed yesterday, I look at your bio, that you also serve as vice chairman of the business development committee for the Associated General Contractors of America. I think that's pretty cool. Thanks for your service yeah. to the industry. Thank you. Great honor to be a part of that group of business development committee. And we have a really strong, it's a working committee, which is really kind of cool. And the other aspect of it too is just the opportunity to meet people across the country. It's fantastic. It's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. Oh, that's great. Well, they're lucky to have you on board with that team. And I know that your company's tagline for Atlas Marketing is we tell stories for companies that build things. So I can't think of a better expert to walk us through how to help AEC or architecture, engineering, construction companies tell stories about what they build. So thank you for being with us. And let's dive right into our topic that I have dubbed construction industry storytelling. So I'm, I'm just excited to learn from you. That's it's going to be great. Good. Well, hopefully everyone else listening will learn something too. So that's the goal, right? Exactly. First, I wondered, Chris, if you could give us a little bit of background about Atlas Marketing and sort of who and where your clients come from. Sure. So like you said, we tell stories for companies that build things. We only focus on the construction industry and manufacturing industries, and we typically focus on simplifying complex issues or complex processes. So our clients, to answer your question, are all over the country. As you mentioned earlier, you know we do work in the AEC industry and manufacturing. And so the aspect of really taking these complex issues, creating a story that is relevant, not only and truthful to the industry, but also relevant to the customers and future customers. So from a construction standpoint, what I always tell people is, is our job is to help your customers make a decision. And that decision is to hire XYZ general contractor. And so from that, helping them make that decision means that we have to really simplify that story and really make it so that the audience understands it. There's been so many times that when we work with a general contractor or an engineering firm or the like, everyone always wants to talk the language of the industry. And in reality, you can do that, be truthful to the industry, but also help your customer understand this is what we're going to do. And that's 
when we say we tell stories for companies that build things, that's what we do. That's awesome. And that's so true no matter what the industry is, right? I think people that are working in it, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, whatever it is, are it's their language. I was on a call yesterday where I was talking about our new kind of rollout with the magazine, and I said that we're spanning our editorial coverage. And it was a CPA firm, and they said, now, editorial is kind of a word in your industry. What do you mean by that? And to me, that was like such a basic word, but that's a classic example where yeah. they didn't know what I was talking about. That was like this general term they'd heard, but they didn't know, understandably. Right. right. And good for them for asking rather right. than just making an assumption. And I've told this story a couple of times to clients and when I have some other speaking engagements, we are giving a like crisis communication media training seminar with iron workers, leaders of, from the iron worker community here in Pittsburgh. And one of the leaders said, I have a really hard time when I talk to the media because they don't understand what we do. And coming through a couple of questions and asking them things, it basically came to, that's because you're talking like you're on the job site and you're talking like an iron worker would to somebody that doesn't understand what an iron worker is, does, and builds. So that is kind of the deep dive into whatever it is, what, you know, whether it's an iron worker or a carpenter or a boilermaker, you know, wherever, even a project manager. Right. Take into consideration your audience and really understand, do they understand the difference between a beam and a column? Like, Sure. No, it makes total people, sense. Right. Most people don't understand that. And as you're talking this language, because you're so used to doing that, again, no one's at fault. It's just, right. you've got to take into consideration who you're talking to. Another example I always use is, imagine you're going and pitching a proposal for a school project. School boards across the country include attorneys, housewives, fathers, mothers, in some cases, students. You've got to bring your language down to their level so that they can make a decision. Right. Go no, that. That, reminds, well, that reminds me, the very first story as a freelancer, I freelanced for St. Louis Construction News Magazine for a while. And the very first story, I still have this in my head because it's a horrible acronym. I didn't know what it was, but it was a story on roofing. And the first interview I did, the guy kept talking about TPO and all these yeah. initials. And TPO stood for, I had to look it up again, thermoplastic polyolefin, which is roofing made from recycled rubber. But it was like the first sentence he said, I had like six of the seven words or acronyms. Absolutely no idea what he was talking about. And I thought, crap, maybe I can't write for this mess because <laughs> it's all initials. But what you said, you know, right. makes a lot of sense. And then, but how fun it is too, to have them kind of initially sort of, to use a phrase, dumb it down for us. But then once we understand it, we can have them go into the interesting parts that are truly fascinating to the people who aren't in the industry. Right. And But I think you have to have that translation at the beginning. So that's an excellent point. Right. And I wondered if in terms of the art of storytelling, if it is a bit unique when it comes to the architecture, engineering and construction or AEC industry, are there wrinkles to that or nieces to that maybe dictate a different type of storytelling than I'm trying to think what to compare it to than just a general business magazine, for example? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think what I typically tell people is, especially with clients and, and the like, that we have to think of this as a movie or a film. And the best way to take this, because we're getting into some really intricate things. So first, let's introduce the characters and let's just 
talk about one, who we are, what that means to them, because ultimately them being the customer, the client, they're paying us for a service and going through that. So that makes sense. But then you can start to build out the storyline. And it's kind of funny because I've used this example and it's probably not a good idea on a podcast to use this, but if you think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how all of these different stories kind of weave together and come at different points, I use that as an example of think of Iron Man as your pre-construction team. Think of Thor as your estimating team. How do you start to bring these elements of the story together? And it, no offense to the construction guys, but that kind of puts a light bulb in their head and they go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I can kind of yeah. see how it all starts to come together. I love how you <laughs> think of it as a movie. I mean, I never would think of it as like almost a script. I mean, I, a bunch of pictures start popping in my mind when you talk about this. And that's the idea of having people understand what it is that we're talking about. So there's that storytelling component where it ties into your visual cortex, I think is what it's called. I might be wrong on that. But yeah. Some but, part of the brain. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, something up there. But the other side of that too is, is taking these really, really complex structures, complex and intricate processes. I mean, just the schedule for a project is extremely detailed. I've been into on job sites where they have like a lean construction section set up and it's 20 foot wall and that's the schedule and it's built wow. on the wall type of thing. So that intricacy of that, how do you start to tell people when they ask, what does this line mean? Or what happens if we have another pandemic? What happens if the supply chain breaks down? How do we handle that? So utilizing that storytelling process to really bring in parts that are maybe not the entire story, but you ultimately build it just like you are a building over right. time or a structure or whatever it is. So that's how I think of it. Yeah, no, I think that's great. When you were talking about it, I thought too, sometimes one barrier would be the technical jargon and translating that. Another one I think is sometimes when I'm interviewing folks, and I don't mean this in a snarky way at all, but sometimes people have their marketing rather than their expertise thought leadership hat on. And so I'll be asking them about a project and they'll think the thing and they'll know that, or rather an industry topic where I know I'm like safety, I'm talking about, I'm going to talk right. to four or five of their colleagues in other companies too. And it really looks looking for thought leadership that's specific to the topic, but sometimes everyone will default to we're on time and on budget and we all the kind of buzz stuff. And I kind of sometimes have to put a pause on the interview and just kind of walk through it with them and say, this story is about this topic and I really want your take on it and it's not an ad. So yeah. that's that doesn't sound good. And I think I hope I'm more polite, but I don't want five different companies saying they're safe and then with no details to back it. Like it would look like a Siskel and Ebert riveting, you know, like a movie review. Yeah. And it would all yeah. be duplicative. So I think just encouraging people to, again, think about their audience and not their taglines. And I'm sure that's something that you work through a lot with your clients too. All the time. And Carrie, I'm so glad you said those three words. Safe on time on budget. Because honest to God, that is my pet peeve. My skin starts to crawl when I hear those words. I mean, yes, those are pillars that have built the construction industry and are part of the industry. They have to be there. Right. You know, our clients, we have to be safe. We have to be on time. We have to be on budget. But the problem with that, if you look at helping people make a decision, like you said, if there are five contractors who are all saying we're safe on time on budget, how can anybody make a decision? Right. 
So by using that language, we're actually forcing people to look at the dollar because there's no other way for people that don't understand the industry, the time and then the skill sets and all of those. So the aspect of actually going out there and using those three words or those three terms, safe, on time, on budget as your marketing message is actually damaging yourself and damaging your company, in my opinion. No, it makes sense. Because all you're doing is forcing people to look at the bottom line because I've got five bids in front of me. How do I make that decision? Right. And especially with, if it's not the hard bid situation right. and it's professional qualifications and all that stuff, that's the last theme you want to be articulating right. is the common denominator, which they would expect anyway. Correct. And the other thing too is, so if you're leading with safe, if safe and safety is your key message, if you start to think about it and somebody on the other side of that table hears that, in my mind, the very first question is, hold on a second, you're telling me you're not safe? Like, mm. are you telling me that if, in other words, if you're leading with, we've got the best incident, you know, we've got the lowest incident rates in the industry or over the last five years, our incident rates have dropped. Right. right. Again, okay. That's a huge accomplishment. And that is a great message internally. Right. Get your teams around it and get them focused on it outside of the industry or outside of the office and with people that don't understand the industry, they're not going to understand that. So you're also subconsciously putting these thoughts into their head going, well, wait a second are you yeah like what happened to six years ago or seven years ago what was the deal if you're just talking about past five years being great that kind of thing it's like right. what you're not right. talking about. at what point or the other thing too that i hear all the time is well, our schedules are perfect well if you're leading with on time, we're going to have this, I am committing to having this job done by December 31st. Okay. Well, are you also telling me that you're not going to be doing the things that we're scheduled to do or contracted to do? Like it just opens yeah. up a lot of questions in people's minds. And I always tell people, let's find the real value that you're providing. Right. You know, it, so I'll give you an example with a schedule. It's great to use that. We have found a way that we can make this project because of our experience. We have worked this schedule so well that I am 100% certain with my team and they are going to be able to provide this final project to you by the date that we can commit to. Because we've done this so many times and we've worked in this industry. So you start to twist that element to more toward your experience and your skill set and what you've done to really polish that schedule and go from that. That makes sense because think of, and think before the pandemic hit, if people just led with, yeah, absolutely, no doubt it's going to be done at date XYZ and that's what happened from there and yeah. the supply chain and workers and right. all that stuff. So right. it makes a lot of sense. Plus, it doesn't matter, right, if it's AEC industry or another one. I think people do business with people they like. Isn't that like a classic saying? So I would think that really a big part of those submittals and proposals need to be who your people are because at the end of the day, if I'm the owner, my project manager is going to be working with your project manager. And I want to know if it's going to be right. a pain in the butt or if it's going to be a good people experience. Right. So I was thinking just highlighting your people. I suppose that's a little bit dicey because you could have turnover during a project. But what? Yeah. how do you do that when you tell the story of people? How do you sort of lead with people? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that we do with our clients is we've helped countless GCs with their proposal process. Part of that becomes, let's do some interview preparation. Let's talk about what does this interview look like? Who are the people in the room? And more importantly, who's doing the talk? Because you hit it right on the head. When you get to that interview or when you get to the opportunity to talk through this, and now granted, we're, this is mainly talking design build component of this because the hard bid part is a totally different thing. But the aspect of having the opportunity to sit in front of the customer, the owner, and talk about it, you want to make sure that your job site superintendent is going to walk in there, not in a suit, with it different than what he typically or she 
she typically looks like during the day because that's not how they're going to see them. And more importantly, if you put somebody that is not used to having that speaking opportunity or having those opportunities to talk to people, you're making that person very, very uncomfortable right off the bat when you're expecting them to come into the job, into the meeting in a suit and tie or a suit. Sure. Let them come in in a pair of jeans and boots. I mean, this is what they're going to see every day when they're on their job training. That's a great And the other side of that too is, is, well, it's funny because so many times people, you know, this is business. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars. True, you are. But everybody in that room, everybody in that meeting has a role. You're from your team and even on the other side of the table, those people have a role as well. So why not play up to it? And yeah and utilize that as your superpower. So help people be comfortable in what their role is. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. There's a company in their spare time of storytelling, because I know this is a big time commitment for companies to to get this together to share their message. But if they would want to tie into a topic rather than their project, let's say they want to sort of build their reputation as a strong workforce culture, healthy culture, or want to tie into the discussion on supply chain or whatever the topic is, how in one minute, how would you best tell that potential client? But how do they sort of make that? To me, I think it's an important bridge to build for them because it's not just talking about their stuff. It's like positioning one of their spokespeople as an industry expert, whether in print or on the air or on a podcast or whatever. How do you kind of work with companies to realize who their experts are and it kind of push them forward so when the media calls, there's an expert voice? Yeah. So one of the processes that we usually run through with our clients is we want to find out who's comfortable doing that. Okay. So using the example I just gave, if a superintendent is not real comfortable going out and talking, we're not going to force that person to go out and do that. So that's one of the very first things. The other side of that is, is we typically find places that they can be more comfortable. Maybe it's a podcast. Maybe it's joining Rotary. Get at the real granular level, at the local level as well. But basically, we always encourage people to find is if you want to be that leader, if you want to have that leadership positioning, there are ways that, to go about that. Writing some articles, coming to Carrie and saying, hey, here's an article. What do you think? And finding ways to take that position and go that route. Having opportunities to come and talk on Build America or our podcast, Building PA podcast, the opportunities to just get comfortable with the topic. Sure. Because again, just like we go, we went back to the safe on time on budget aspect, not everybody is comfortable in those situations, but more importantly, you have to get away from talking that language that you would on a job site. It's just simply right. because the audience doesn't understand. It. So those are kind of the initial steps that we go through. And I think I'll be honest with you. I think the leadership positioning is extremely important, especially for the construction industry in particular, because especially now with all of the workforce development challenges that are facing the industry and the opportunities that are moving the industry forward in terms of recruitment and future generations, having those opportunities to get out and talk about the industry and not just say, well, this is what it's done for me. Find a story to go out there and connect with young 14 to 18 year old kids. Like remember what it was like when you were in their shoes as well and doing those things. So I think those those are some other aspects and opportunities to be that leader and put yourself in those positions. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's a lot of different faces of opportunity. You know, I could talk to you all day, Chris, but I know it's Friday and at some point you want to declare it a weekend, hopefully today. Hopefully, yeah. It's, so it's, it's, 
It's been so great. And I've enjoyed being in Building PA, by the way, if anyone hasn't listened to that podcast, just Building and then Capital P, Capital A, have the it's name, Building right? PA podcast. And that's buildingpapodcast.com okay. as well. And yeah. it's myself and my co-host, John O'Brien, who we do a podcast very similar to Build America. So yeah, you guys were my mentors when I jumped off into this. So I appreciate that. And again, we've been talking this episode with Chris Martin, president of Atlas Marketing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes. People think I'm yeah. I'm deranged that I can't say Pittsburgh. No, I was thinking it was the, the smaller town. Is it Swingley? It is Swingley? the smaller town is Swickley. Yes, it's Swickley. Swickley okay. PA. And we're just west of Pittsburgh. That's our headquarters. And then we also have another office in central Pennsylvania and Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, very good. Didn't want people to think I was stumbling on Pittsburgh, which I very well could be in another couple hours today. <laughs> but, That's fair. But thank That's you fair. so much for being part of this. And I hope that you'll come back on because there's so many other nuggets I know you can share about the AEC industry and just people remembering to tell their story because their competitors are telling theirs. So thank you for being part of this conversation today. Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Karen. I'd love to come back. Super. Take care. Since 1975, BSA Life Structures has dedicated itself to progressive and sustainable design. The firm has designed a number of LEED certified buildings as well as facilities planned to accommodate the future growth and evolution of the institutions that use them. With studios in Austin, Denver, Indianapolis, Raleigh, St. Louis, and Tampa, BSA Life Structures has grown for four decades by not simply designing buildings, but by providing inspired solutions that improve lives.